Hello, City Hope. Happy New Year. Yeah, that's, you're supposed to say it back to me. Happy New Year. Okay, I think the campuses are doing it better than Malbus. So one more time, look at your neighbor and say Happy New Year. Thank you for making 2017 a phenomenal year here at City Hope. So many of you have been so faithful in serving and doing all the things that you do. We love you. Greatest church on the planet. Such an honor to serve you. And my prayer is that 2018, that you and your house will be blessed beyond. Someone said to me earlier today, I, I don't know how it can get any better. Well, I want you to know with God, it's always going to be better. And uh, that's what you have to look forward to, is a better 18 than a 17. Uh, before I get into the message, I do want to share with you, typically around the 7th or 8th of January, we start a Daniel fast. We've been doing this for 19 years, and uh, we're going to do it again, but this year we're going to start it on February 5th. Uh, I'm tired of competing with bowl games and all that, but uh, no, not really. Uh, I'm doing a series in February that this really fits with to start the series off. So we'll do that fast. We'll teach you more about it if you haven't been involved with it. But then I've had some that say, well, we've already started. We're going to do it. Great. You do it in January and then do it in February and you'll get a gold crown, I'm sure, uh, in my book if you can do it two months in a row. That'd be incredible. So anyway, just to let you know. Well, what I want to do this weekend is I, I really want to share something with you as if we're having a family meeting. We're a big family and all the campuses, the guys at the correctional facility. So I want to talk to you like family. You ever had a family meeting? Uh, sometimes they're a little awkward. This may start off a little awkward, but we'll, we'll get there. Uh, as I look back at defining moments from time to time, I, I don't realize I'm even in one until I look back later. Sometimes we look at consequences we're in and think, man, if, if I could do that over again, I, I would change my response. To God, that's a victory in our life. If you grow in wisdom from life's experiences, God counts that successful. What happens inside a defining moment is the work of God. That's what makes it defining. Inside of our defining moments, God is orchestrating our circumstances. He's moving pieces of furniture around, if you will, in order to bring us to a point to make a decision. And then God watches the way we make our decisions. The writer of Proverbs said in 1626, the appetite of laborers works for them. Their hunger drives them on. Every decision you and I make is fueled really by a hunger. Even, even sports or golf or fishing, a new car, a new job, and even a New Year's resolution, which, by the way, only 8% of those are accomplished. What drives every decision we make is a hunger for something, and, and, and God wants wisdom to temper that desire. Inside of those decisions, God's trying to get us to take our attention off the temporary business only and put it on eternal things. He's trying to get our attention off of all physical things so we can see spiritual things. Now, normally, we, we look at our spiritual lives through our eyes of understanding. That's how the Bible defines it, our eyes of understanding. But it would be like, you know, if, if you could imagine, what would it be like or what would it reveal to us if we could see spiritual life through God's eyes? Many of you listening to me, you have such a heart and passion for the Lord, and through the years, 
you've sought him and you've had a sincere desire, a hunger to get closer to him. To only have that desire frustrated because you didn't arrive at the place you longed to be with the Lord. Something happens and we end up in a cycle. Today I want to expose and show you how to break the cycle. So how does the cycle begin? Well, first we, we all started out motivated as believers. Remember when you were first saved? The love for God was so powerful. The grace you experienced, you, you couldn't understand it, you couldn't explain it. The hunger, the desire you had to be like Jesus was your primary motivation. And to you, grace was still amazing, and you had this wonderful joy. You have this heart and passion for Christ, and you're truly motivated and hungry for God. But is that just a memory today? You know, Jesus warns one of the churches about moving away from that first love. To the Ephesians, he said, you, you're sound in doctrine, you're zealous in good works, but the love you had for me, you, you left that love. It didn't say you lost it, it said you left it. For some, maybe it's been a long time since you've been motivated or hungry to know God more. But is there any goal or pursuit higher than that? We've all been motivated to be like Christ at one time. So the cycle begins there. And then we begin to receive information. Yes, information. We provide information. It's part of discipleship and teaching and preaching and knowing the truth and the Word of God. So we teach people information to grow people. The problem starts easily because when we get information, it starts in the cognitive mind, the intellect, or as the Bible calls it, the eyes of our understanding. It doesn't start in the heart. It starts in the eyes of our understanding in our mind. So a pastor comes and teaches, and, and yes, there's information. This is what you need in order to change, to grow, and experience intimacy with God. But the mistaken ideal here is that right information will bring change. Right information will bring change, but that's not necessarily true. If just information will facilitate change, then people wouldn't smoke. We would watch what we eat. Yeah, but pastor, see, some of you think like this. Pastor, if information doesn't change, isn't your sermon today full of information? Yes. And I'll come back and I'll qualify something about the type of information and how it will lead us to change. Information in itself sometimes can become an idol almost. If we get the right plan, if we get the right method, if we get the right book, if we follow the right person, if we get the right understanding, that facilitates change in my life. And then we start the cycle with determination. People now have information, they're motivated, they have a strategy to begin to go to work, determined to make things change. And at this point, some change begins to occur. But you have to have the determination. Without it, no attempt will be made to apply the information. It's kind of like if you bought a memory course book at your home and you forgot where you put it and you can't read the information, your memory's not going to improve. At this time of the year, I mean, this is the last day of the year, we find some people starting the cycle of motivation, looking for new information to get motivated and, 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 and determined to go into the new year and change something, their health, their weight, their marriage. But my question for City Hope, are you hungry for change in your relationship with God? And then the cycle, it goes, it continues with alienation. 
alienation yes it, it begins to take place even though I'm committed to change I'm working hard to change I want to grow I'm wanting something to take place in my life spiritually different and then a couple of weeks go by in the first of January and guess what I'm really not that much different then disappointment comes especially if I want internal growth in God oh I'm motivated to change I've got some new information and this this may change me some on the outside but what I'm looking for is on the inside. What am I looking for? I'm looking for hunger for a spiritual change of heart. A hunger for a spiritual change of heart. And then after we're looking for that, yet we're not seeing that. And we thought it would happen, and, but I'm really not different. So therefore I think, well, there must be something wrong with me. I'm motivated. I got the information. If I apply it, then the things would be working better. I'd be changing. It's not happening. And this, here's what this brings. It brings self-blame. I start blaming myself. I find myself loathing, sitting in the corner, beating myself up, looking at so-and-so and the sin of comparison of how they're growing spiritually and, and not me, and I beat myself up, and I cycle right into frustration. Oh, I was motivated. I got information. I determined to work hard and apply it to change, but I couldn't stay with it. I came up short, so I began to forget the principle because, well, it's not working. The desired results are not achieved, and I'm frustrated as a Christian. And then here's what we do. We enter the stage of pretense. Oh, yeah, we, we fake it a lot. You know you do. We, we fake it a lot. That's what we do under self-blame. We wear a mask, or why a mask? When people feel this sense of self-blame, you, you know, you, you don't want people to know it, and so subconsciously you think if you really knew what I was like, if you really knew what my marriage was like, if you really knew about my temper, if you really knew about my shortcomings, you, you wouldn't love me, you wouldn't like me. It produces the thought there's something wrong with me and I'm flawed. Not, not that I made a mistake, but I am a mistake. There's something fundamentally wrong with me, therefore I am not lovable. I'm not even sure if God loves me. And if people see me like I really am, they would never accept me. So I'm not going to let them see me like I am. I'm going to wear a mask, a pretense. I'm going to fake it. You know you do it. You know there are times where you've had a bad week or a bad month, even a bad year, and someone walks up to you and say, how are you doing? And you say, fine. Really? Christmas is over. You're looking a new year in the face, and that means I really want to change something, and I've tried this every year to change something, and it doesn't want to work, and so I'm not going to deal with it anymore, so yeah, I'm fine really see God knows how you really are but we fake it on the outside and on the inside we're frustrated with our spiritual lives because we've been in a cycle at this place now we plateau and nothing is happening we're sitting there and licking our wounds if you will and begin our cycle again in a couple weeks in three weeks in this place, nothing's going on. No progress, just waiting. Christmas is over. Here comes the new year. Maybe I'll get motivated again. Maybe, maybe if pastor will give some information in the sermon. I tried it last year, but it didn't work. Maybe this year it'll work. Ever been there before? I have. And every time you make the cycle, you pick up speed and intensity. But you're not going anywhere. It's like, it's like sitting on a spin bike. There's a purpose for it, your exercise, but you're not going anywhere. You're stationary. Each time, you're more frantic to find the best information, more painstaking to find fresh information, and more determined to work harder with each cycle in order to make it work this time. 
But every time frustration begins to pile up and it gets to the point where it defies expression and frustration becomes almost a constant companion and we can't explain it. It's just an inward frustration and then somewhere along the line the cycle of frustration becomes malignant and becomes disillusionment. Disillusionment. And then we start to think, does, does, it really, does it really work? This Christianity thing? I mean, reading the Bible, black ink on white paper, prayers that go up to the ceiling, I mean, does it really work? I've tried everything and now I, I second guess everything and that produces a real skeptic. Yeah, Christians can be skeptics. And eventually, it will give way to full-blown cynicism. So the cycle must be broken. And here's why. Listen, this is, this is very important. After, after following this cycle over and over again in your Christian life, you eventually have a loss of vision. Vision? Yeah, you see, vision is the original thing that motivated your heart for Christ. Your passion for Christ becomes lost and now you have a sense of futility and change is beyond your grasp and I can't reach the place God desires for me. And where there is no hope for the future, there's no power for the present. And if there is no hope for ever obtaining this spiritual place, then why even bother? Listen, loss of vision produces loss of function. And if you see the Christian life as just a frustrating life that ends in futility, then why bother to cycle again? Why bother to read your Bible? Why bother to pray, to fast, to tithe, to give, to serve, to grow? Why bother to even go to church? The results are going to be the same. That's the thinking of a skeptic. I've talked to many of them. And when, when you talk to, that's the thinking of a skeptic, but the voice of a skeptic is a voice of disillusionment. And that's what's talking. Because, see, I don't want you to know, therefore I wear a mask and I withdraw from you and even God. And we've become experts in wearing a mask and on the inside, we're dying spiritually. Are you there today on the last day of the year? And yes, I gave you more information, but it's not just in the information. It's at this point in the cycle that we do one of two things. One, we repeat the cycle. Or two, we resign. Not from your job, not from your marriage, not from growing. Numerous cycles on the track of spiritual frustration. I resigned to the cycle, and now I'm just, I don't know what to do. I'll just seek God's help. Most of us at the beginning of a new year think about the past year, and we want the new year to be better. We want some things to change. And we know really the only way it's possible is by being closer to God. And that's one of the reasons we're going to have a fast, to get closer to God. Fast is not about a diet. Fast is to get me in a place to get closer to God. I don't know. If you've ever heard this statement, but Francis Schaeffer made this statement, life consists of two levels of living, like a two-story house. Here's how I see it. Living on the first level is life in the real world, life on the earth, humanity, created things. This is where most of us live on the first floor. And guess what? We grew up, we went to school, we got an education, we got a job, we got work, we got married, we have a family, we raise a family. That's first floor living. But then second floor living consists of eternal things. The Holy Spirit, Jesus, God the Father. It consists of those eternal things. So for a person to be full, to be fill, filled their hunger with hunger, they have to learn the balancing act of living on both floors. And when you do that, you're, you're given access to a little bit of heaven that comes to earth in your house, this house. See, second floor living is like inhaling. 
There's a hunger for a relationship with God. Inhaling through the Word. Inhaling through worship. Inhaling through prayer. First floor living is like exhaling. And that's where we get things done. That's where the rubber meets the road. That's where we go. But it doesn't have life change there. It doesn't come. And a lot of us don't know about second floor living. So there's the problem. And we become so preoccupied with first floor living and we think that's all there is to it. It's all about this first floor. First floor living is exhaling. And that prevents us from finding and climbing the stairs to the second floor, inhaling. And then on the first floor, we got all this stuff on the first floor. And, and, and the stuff's not necessarily bad in itself. There's stuff that we need and there's stuff that we want. But the stuff we want, sometimes it creates a desire in us that we want more and more and excel more and push more. And we go, we go beyond the limits and then life becomes frustrated because we don't have a clear perspective. The problem is we try to make the first floor work and we forget there's another whole level to our life. Oh, but we do our token stuff. We attend church sometimes. We give a little sometimes. We wink at the word, the Bible. We, we even think of praying. Sometimes we even tell God we love him. But do we ever just bear down in hunger to go for more of God? What would that be like? It would be like moving to the second floor. Remember, in the natural, you have to inhale and exhale. If I only inhale first for a living, then I am earthly. I'm, I'm an earthly being, humanity. The only way to get balanced is to have a lifestyle that rotates around the second floor. So we, we can't live on the second floor all the time because there's a real world out there. And there are people who want to live in that spiritual second floor all the time, and they're weird. They're strange because it's not normal. God didn't put you here. When, when you get to heaven, you'll live in that world all the time. Here, there is a natural world. You're going to go to work. You've got bills to pay. You've got kids to raise. All of that's the real world. But I can't do what I'm supposed to do if I only stay on the first floor. And when you visit the second floor and Jesus is at your side, here's what happens. You are introduced and you experience an intimate relationship with God the Father. So how do I access the second floor? Well, it's not through the cycle. I promise you that. We have to take the stairs. The Bible says our steps are ordered to the Lord. We have to take the stairs. So let me show you the steps of the stairs. Here they are. First one, step one, resignation of the heart. Finally convinced the cycle will never bring transformation or change that you're wanting. Resignation that it never worked, it never will work, and I'm not going to attempt the cycle again. You have to resign that closeness with God cannot be acquired from simply being more motivated, get more information, more determination, therefore refuse to repeat the cycle again. And then the second step is desperation for God, a heart that is hungry for spiritual reality. Do you hunger for the spiritual reality of the real presence of God? Do you understand that the real presence of God, you can encounter that? Do you hunger for it? Are you stuck in the cycle? Are you tired of the pattern? Not just motivated to change behavior, but change spiritually by having a deep, passionate relationship with God Almighty. Listen to what God said about us. He said this to the prophet Jeremiah in chapter 2, verse 13. God's talking about you and I, every believer. My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. 
Now, now l- let me ask you some questions. These are not qu- trick questions, and you can, you can answer them, I'm sure. Can you find some water in a broken cistern? That means yes, boys and girls. Yes? Can you, fi- can you store some water in a broken cistern? Yeah. Can you drink water from a broken cistern? Sure you can. Can you see a little change from motivation, information, and determination and hard work? Yes. But there is a difference in drinking stagnant water from a broken cistern and coming to an artesian spring well, the fountain of living water that flows from God himself. In your resignation, you simply refuse to drink water from a broken cistern, and in your desperation, you're willing to dig a new well and drink from a fresh supply of water through God himself. But here's what happens to us. He knows it. Sometimes we have to get to the place of desperation. To get there, we have to go through the cycle again and again and again. I know. I was caught in that cycle for decades for decades, and I know personally that it will not bring about transformation that we long for. That's why God gave me this message in 2004, because when I was 45 years old, going through church and growing up, I'm in this cycle, I'm in this cycle, never finding the presence, never getting where I needed to be. It was all about the information and the motivation and the determination. And I found that, and out of that, God birthed this church. And out of that place, God gave me this message. Was there some change in my life? Sure. But the hunger for Christ, I cannot arrive there staying in this cycle. And it's so easy in church to get caught up in this cycle and miss the presence of God. And by the way, the flip side, the more passionate for God, the greater desire you have for Him, the more susceptible you are for that frustration cycle. Because you want more now. you like, now, now, now. And people who just live on the first floor, draw a breath, and go to work, and draw a paycheck, will have no passion for the second floor living. But God isn't angry with us. Because he looks down and he sees in our hearts that if we have a hunger to keep seeking him for more, and he, he knows what that looks like. That's not something unusual. In fact, he gives us stories in the Bible. People with desperation are in the Bible. People with desperation in the Bible would tear the roof off to get to Jesus. People in the Bible would climb a sycamore tree just to put their eye, just to see him walk by. People in the Bible, when they were told by the the public or the religious leaders to be quiet or to shut up, they cried louder, Son of David, have mercy on me. Why? Desperation is not a casual interest. We have to reach a place to say, God, it's you or nothing. Nothing else satisfies. Nothing else is, ex- is an acceptable alternative. We have to say, God, I'm desperate for you because I'm lost on the first floor without you. you I'm calling you to resign with a desperation. Say, I will not go through this cycle again in 2018. I'm calling you to resign and with desperation. Say, I will abandon broken cisterns and stagnant water. I will be desperate for fresh water, for my own well to drink from. And out of my desperation, I will have an encounter with the living God, and that's where change is going to begin in my life. The problem, though, is that desperation is not a word that describes most Christians in their desire to know God. 
Oh, there's a lot of people interested in religion. There's a lot of people interested in just church, going to church. But what about hunger for more of God? Do you hunger for the spiritual reality of the real presence of God? Not, not just the motivation to change behavior, but to have a deep, passionate relationship with God. Desperation is a longing, a hunger for, hunger for God, knowing that nothing can fill that hunger but Him. So we found the stairs to go up to the second floor. The first step is resignation. The second step is desperation. Here's the third one. Inspiration of his presence. Now God becomes real. You can experience the real presence that comes from the Holy Spirit. So now with inspiration, I'm inspired to take the next step. And that's illumination on the second floor. There's illumination. Well, how does illumination take place? I'll show you three quick ways. First is silence and solitude. Everything in your life and your world is the enemy of silence and solitude. If you have silence and solitude, it has to be on purpose. You had to make room for it. It just simply will not happen. I don't know if you've ever read the screw tape letters by C.S. Lewis. I love it. But one of the little pieces in it, it says there's a little demon being taught by a senior demon how to be a big demon. And this senior demon's name is Wormwood. And he tells the little demon this. He tells him that the goal of hell is to fill the earth with noise. Listen, our society is full of noise. In fact, the decibel meter gauge is broken. It's tapped out. If there is silence, some of us, we can't even stand that. We don't know what to do in silence. Because we're so prone to be busy and active and do this and listen to that. We know little of silence, therefore we know little of solitude. On the second floor, in the presence of God's Spirit, you will find silence in solitude. And the world may be spinning crazily out of control, but I'm telling you, on that second floor, in the presence of the living God, you'll find silence, you'll find solitude. Second thing that brings illumination is contemplative reading of Scripture. Maybe this year you forget reading your three chapters a day so you can say you read the Bible through, and that takes a lot of discipline. I understand that. But maybe God doesn't want you to read three chapters today. Maybe he wants to, you to spend three minute, 30 minutes reading over three verses and pondering that. Then maybe one day he wants you to read the book of John. Maybe one day the book of Romans. You know, just read slow. And listen, when you read the Bible, read out loud. Read it out loud. Here, here's why. When you read it, it's a personalization of the words of God. You're, you're saying the words of God of what God has said. When you're reading, ask the question, how would my life be different if what I just read became a personal truth in my life? We said, well, how can that happen? Because the inspired word of God can become the engrafted word of God, and that transforms my life from the inside out. Third way for illumination is listening prayer. Most of us do not listen. We go to God with a list of needs, and we do all the talking. If, if you look at the Lord's Prayer, you look at the Lord's Prayer, the words I and me are not in there. Why? Prayer can't be a monologue. It has to be a dialogue. We have to have time to listen. Why not try, pray 10 minutes, and then listen for 10 minutes? The problem is that most of us consider the listening a waste of time, so we never listen. You'll never know him intimately until you make time to get still and listen, and then he'll talk to you. And then you'll receive illumination. Listen to me. Listen to me. The world cannot give you the insight and the illumination that God can. The systems of the world can't do it. Only God's Spirit can bring illumination and truth and show you the steps and the order and the plan that He wants for you. 
But if you stay caught up in busyness and going and going and going and just caught up and you never find this place of solitude and silence on the second floor, you're going to miss out on so many things. And then what happens is we run into roadblocks and we, we derail off the highway of life and then we're looking and saying, what's going on? What, what did the devil do? And all this stuff where we listen to God. He would have told us to turn before we got to that place. He'd given us a detour. He'd given us insight. You'll never know him intimately until you make time to get still and listen. Then he talks to you and gives you illumination. And then you step into liberation. Then we start seeing, watch, then you start seeing things in your life little by little. And then you see clearly. Why? Because now your spiritual eyes of understanding are seeing through his spiritual eyes about this and about that, about the house, about the home, about the marriage, about the kids. So to say to the Holy Spirit, open my eyes to see with spiritual understanding is a very strong request. When I begin to drink from the living water of God's will, my eyes of understanding are opened. And when they're opened, I can take the next step. Transformation. Change begins to take place. So you've been trying to change yourself by yourself. You've been trying to get the right plan, the right pattern. So-and-so did this, so-and-so did that. There's a new book on this. You've been trying. No, it's God. It's that transformation that takes place when you start drinking from that living water. And it, it, it isn't about, listen, please listen to me. It isn't about working harder to be like Jesus or trying deliberately to act like Jesus. I can promise you that'll fail. What happens is an inner transformation of the heart begins. Remember, it starts in the mind, has to come in in the heart. What happens in the heart? Christ begins to manifest himself in your heart. So it's not trying to be like Jesus. If Jesus comes and lives in you, that's the transformation that takes place. And there are a lot of people, even at City Hope Church, that are empty, and they're restless, and they're frustrated in their Christian life. And what you really need to long for it's not more success with first floor living, but spiritually the reality of the second floor of God living inside of you. Many of us keep cycling instead of stepping on the second floor. And listen, you know this. We live in a secular society and the church has been co-opted by secularization. We've adopted the methods and the strategies of the world rather than the kingdom principles. You know what that leads to? A cycle of frustration. A cycle of frustration. Here's the last step. Celebration. Being a person full of purpose, we find that we are of greater usefulness to God with fruit that's emerging naturally by the byproduct of the Holy Spirit. Listen. 45 years old, when God shows and illuminates my purpose, the first four, no way there's any type of fruit like there has been fruit the last 20 years. Doesn't even compare. Is it because of me? No, I'm still me. What's it because of? It's because of his presence and the illumination and the direction of doing the right things. Of what he wants done, not what I want done. Today God is giving you something in this message. But unless you take it, and it doesn't matter how old you are, doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. 
If you don't take it and do something with it to break the cycle in your spiritual life, you will not see the transformation or the purpose you're to fulfill on this earth. And here's what that means and what I've just said. That means the water you drink this year will be the same warm, stagnant water of a broken cistern that you drank last year. So my question to you, City Hope, are you hungry? Because you will only hunger for what you feed on. I want you to feed on the love and the mercy and the presence of the living God. I don't want you just going through the cycle because I think there's so many people who have cycled out and they're done. And they're not interested in church. They're not interested in any of that because they never caught the significance because the natural body is, okay, what, what, what's my motivation? And give, give me the information to do it now. And then let me be determined. And all these things that we naturally do, it's not that way with God. My hope and my prayer for you in this next year is that God blesses you. That word blessed, the original word means happy. I, I hope you have a happy new year, but I hope the whole year is blessed and happy. And I hope it starts from within, that it's not something that you look at that's in your hands, but it's something that's in your heart. Because if it's in your heart, then it's going to expand to those in your house and in your family. I want you blessed. I don't want you just focusing on trying to find the formula or the pattern or, or cycling out again. I want you to find the presence of God. I want you to know how comfortable it is to go to the second floor. I want you to know how powerful it is for the presence of the living God just to sit in your spirit and speak to you and love on you and nurture you and lift your head so that you can get through anything that comes your way. So with that said, I want to close like this. I want to pray a blessing over our church. The men in the correctional facility, the Vaymanette campus, Foley campus, Mobile, Malba. I want, I want to pray a blessing over you. So if you will, and, and, and don't leave, don't leave. You missed the blessing. Would you stand? All the campuses, would you stand? I, I, I pray you receive something from this. I pray you do. I pray God speaks to your heart. But now as your pastor, I, I want to pray a blessing over you and your house. I want you to see an incredible, blessed, happy 2018. I don't want you burning out in a few weeks. I want to pray a blessing. Would, would you just put your hands out like you're, like you're going to catch something or hold something? City Hope family, as you enter a new year, may you be blessed with the promises of God that are yes and amen. May you be blessed with the assurance of God's grace and love, peace and protection in your life and on your family. May you be blessed with a spirit of expectancy to hear from God whenever you go to the second floor. May you be blessed with God's strength to live hungry and humble and separated for the life of God. May you be blessed with ears to hear and eyes to see, ears to hear your shepherd's voice accurately, and eyes to see the way in which he's leading you 
with discernment to follow. Be blessed with a spirit to pray and to listen. Be blessed in all that you put your hands to so you can be faithful as a tither and always have more than enough to give to those that are in need in our world. May you be blessed with a mouth that speaks words of life to those around you, words that lift and encourage, words that minister grace and life to the hearer. Be blessed with a repentant heart and attitude. Be blessed with a soft, pliable heart and the hand of a loving God. And may mercy and grace follow you every day of 2018. In Jesus' name I pray. And the church, if you believe it and receive it, said amen. amen. And the church loudly said amen. amen. And one more time, all the campuses said amen. amen. God bless you.